about time, it's about space, it's about saving the human race. It's about hate, it's about love, it's about everything above. It's about war, it's about peace, it's about changing history. It's about you, it's about me, it's about time. Hello and welcome to another week of the program called All In With The Lord. How's your week going? How's everything going on for you? The weather is nice where we are, and uh, hopefully not just the weather, but the Word, the Word of God is at work in your life. When the weather turns nice, people feel more like doing things, and they feel more like going outside and participating in life. But really, the Word of God should make us feel that way all the time. The Word of God always has for us something new and exciting every day. If we allow it to be the first, take first place in our life. Too often we wait for the day to show us what kind of day it's going to be. Instead of taking the Word of God and determining how it's going to be. I think the biggest revelation for me in knowing the Word, learning the Word, renewing my mind with the Word, which is what we're supposed to do. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I think the biggest, most most wonderful part of knowing that is knowing that any circumstance, any situation that you come up against, you, with the Lord's help and His Word, absolutely can have victory every single time. I remember growing up as a a child, and I spent a lot of time with my grandfather, who was a fix-it kind of guy. And um, one of the things that was the most amazing revelation was that if I broke it, he could fix it. Well, it's the same here with the Lord. God has a plan to fix everything and anything that you have broken. However, you can't keep on breaking it. You have to, at some point, realize there's a different way to go about doing what you're doing. So we have to renew our mind with the Word of God. Don't be conformed, but transformed. So the biggest revelation for me, and I hope for you, that you will come to a point in life where you say, let me look around at my day, my circumstances, my situations, my bills, my lack, my pain, any suffering. Let's look around at it, and let's realize that those things are about to change. Those things are going to change. I'm not going to change other than to get bigger and better and stronger in the Word and the things around me, the circumstances that have, that have positioned themselves around me as giants in my world are about to go down. The giants are going down. And uh, I don't mean the football team. I mean... I'm talking about thoughts, actions, words, that circumstances that are you're facing right now. You're, each one of us has circumstances that we face all the time. 
And the question is, do the circumstances win? Or do you, being renewed with the word, take authority and dominion over them and they change? That's what we call a miracle. When, when the circumstances that are in front of us look overwhelming, impossible, let's use that word. They look impossible. And what does the Bible say? What's impossible for men is possible with God. So when the circumstances look impossible, you qualify for what we're talking about today. You qualify to be a part of watching the Word do the work and, ch and change the circumstance. That's right. It's called pushback. We're pushing back. So take one of your circumstances in your life, just one, because sometimes it's, it's hard to just make a list of too many. It's overpowering. But if you're struggling, take one circumstance, the, the one that you need dealt with right now, so that you can begin a new life starting over with victory. And one thing that you want changed, and you want it changed now, and uh, think about that, write it down somewhere, and we'll talk about it as we go through this program. Now, first of all, if there's any lack in your life, uh, any lack, and, and that could be money. Yeah, lack is definitely a money thing. You can have not enough money to pay all the bills. Uh, or one big bill that's just really right in front of you, you got to take care of. Or it could be lack of uh, a relationship. Uh, maybe you're someone who's never been married and and you're you know 40, 50 years old. You know there's lack there. You need fulfillment because you feel that way. Um, if you're someone who's alone and you feel that you need a partner in life, uh, a spouse, a friend, or just a friend. Uh, Maybe that's a lack, that you don't have a social friend that you can, you know, go out to eat with, talk to, any, any, anything like that. But so there's all kinds of lack. It could be sickness. It could lack good health. That's lack also. But lack is something that, according to Philippians 4.19, my God supplies all my needs, according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. And we'll get to that here in a minute, but God wants to supply the need. He wants to eliminate the lack. One of the ways to eliminate lack is to determine an area that you want to eliminate. And tithing always eliminates lack. I mean, you sow seed. We, we, once we determine an area that we have lack in, then we want to sow a seed to someone else or somewhere else that will cause us to be wide open to receive um, the, whatever we need to fulfill that lack. Well, you say, what do you mean by that? Or suppose I'm someone who hasn't been married. How do I sow a seed for that? Well, money works because money you can name. Money is so, something that you can sow and actually name the seed. But it, it could be that you're helping someone else that needs to find a a partner in life, and you help them to find that person. You pray for them. That's sowing seed that you say, well, I want to pray for me. Yeah, I know. I know you want to pray for you, 
but pray, praying for someone else is actually taking your mind off of you and placing it on someone else. And you're sowing a seed so that they, that you can get what you're asking for, but you're helping someone else to get what they're asking for. So one of the things I end up doing and appreciate doing is finding places to sow seed into. It's not always money. It's time, energy. It's uh, if you have a business and there's someone who needs what you do in business and can't afford you and the Lord, and you ask the Lord, is this a good place to sow seed? And he says, yes. Then whatever the amount of money you would normally charge for that item or the work involved is a seed. It's a seed because you're purposing in your heart to do that as unto the Lord. And if that's the case, whatever you would do for a paying client, you do for that person or business, whoever you're ministering to, and you do it even better because the client's name is God. The client's name is Jesus at that point. You're doing it for Jesus in that person. So whether it's just uh, calling someone up every day and and sowing a seed of in their life that God loves them and, and they're special and you appreciate them. You know, I know a lot of people uh, I talk to every now and then, they'll tell me how they don't get along with their parents or they don't get along with family members. How about you start getting along with them and let them not get along with you? How's that? How do you do that, Art? Glad you asked. How you do that is you call them up or write them a little note, send them a little gift, and just say, hey, the Lord just wanted me to tell you you're really special and I appreciate you. And you begin to sow seed. You are sowing seed into someone's life that's probably not even able to receive that seed properly, but that doesn't matter. What, what they do is not your concern. Your concern is what you do. Our concern is how we listen and become obedient to the Holy Spirit and the voice of God. Our God is a God of much more than enough, much more than enough. So not only do you have something in your life that needs to be dealt with, maybe, but when it gets finished with God doing it, it will be more than enough. Absolutely more than enough. And you don't know, have to know how to do it. All you have to do is know the Lord wants you to have it. And two, go find a seed to sow. That's really important. Uh, my God will supply our needs according to His riches and glory. And He'll fill, he'll fill them so completely that he'll eliminate all of our deficiencies. He will meet all our physical needs, all our tangible needs. He will meet them all. So let me read a couple scriptures to you. Number one is Psalm 30, verse 11. And uh, you have turned my morning, morning, like morning, not having a good day, into dancing for me. You have put off my sackcloth and girded me with gladness. That is what God wants to do. Every day, every day, He wants to turn your depression into gladness. 
He wants to turn it around. God is all about not having you broke, busted, sick, or disgusted. He's all about having you happy and joyful. Say, how comes I'm not then, Art? Because I go to church and, well, you have to take the Word of God and renew your mind. And that's the bottom line. A lot of people talk a good talk and they show up at church and they're smiley and happy. Then they go out to the car and they're all blah, blah, blah. And they go right back to living the way they live, which sometimes isn't really great. You know, there's some people actually that argue all the way to church, walk in with a smile on their face and then argue all the way home. That's wasted time. You just need to get the Word of God into your mind and renew your mind. <clears throat> and you have to do that more than one time in a row. And we'll talk about that. John 10.10. 10. The thief comes only in order to steal and kill and destroy. Jesus came that we could have, that we may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. Are you enjoying life to the full until it overflows? If not, we have to go and look and see where the thief has gotten a little wedge into your life, or a big one, and how he is stealing. Now, what would he steal? If a thief was in your life, what would he steal? Well, if I'm talking to somebody and they're not happy at all, they're sad, well, they've lost their joy. The thief stole their joy. The thief stole a good attitude. The thief stole their smile. You were designed to be happy and smiley and joyful. God made you that way. Then you were born into the earth where some people had a, a deficit coming right in. You didn't have a family that even, as a baby, even didn't even read a book to you, maybe, or hug you. Because there are parents who were on drugs from day one, and they just weren't there for their kids. And then there are those who did have that. So there's an advantage to being feeling that feeling of love. But the thief comes to steal, then to kill and destroy. So what does that mean? The thief is Satan. The enemy of God is Satan who thinks, still thinks, that there's some way he can rule all of existence better than God. Now, God gave each one of us, when he created us, when we were born, each one of us came equipped to be just like him. Tells us that in Genesis, we're made in his image and likeness. You came equipped to be just like him. Now, wouldn't it be great if, if all of a sudden when you were born, you woke up and you go, man, I feel tremendous. I have this power to attract whatever I want. I can do everything. I can do all things. Uh, everything works for me. Life is a great experience. There is no lack. All I have to do is imagine it, and it shows up. Wow, wouldn't that be great? But from day one, day one, the enemy was there to steal that kind of thinking away. So every time a new baby is born, every new baby that's born, they are made just like God. 
we are not big G, but we are little G. We're under him, but we, he's our overlord, but we are made just like him to create and to have all things working together for good when we trust him. However, Satan comes to steal that trust right in the beginning. And if he can get to a child or get to a baby early on to cause some type of horrific event, boy, that's, his, that's how he steals their ability to trust anything, to trust anybody. Now, whether or not anything horrific happens to the child, sometimes there's good experiences. But the parents had issues, and the issues carry through to the children because the parents treat the children the way they were treated. So there's all these things that kind of mess us up early on. So now, let's suppose you finally arrive at the age of 18, 19, 20, 21, and all of a sudden you start to think for yourself and you say, where did I come from? What's life all about? How do I take advantage of it? But at that time, at that age, if you grew up in an area where the way you took advantage of life was to steal, because you were taught that you could steal, you could be part of a gang, you can part of corruption and get away with it, or versus I went to church and I learned a few things, but church is boring, I don't get much out of it. That happens to a lot of people. There's all these ways Satan steals. So if you're going to church anywhere, and you're not getting anything out of it, first of all, change churches. But Satan stole from that pastor their ability to communicate. If, that, if you're not getting anything out of it, it that, that's stolen right out of there. He comes to steal. Right after that, he comes to kill. Because, see, if you really knew who you were in Christ... If you really know who you are and that you can push back on any circumstance, then you become a danger to the devil because you are no longer under his control. You're no longer under his jurisdiction. You have been born again. When you, once you're born again, that's really your birth date where you got to be the child of God that you are. And chances are, if you're listening to this, you probably have accepted Jesus into your life. And now you want to know, well, how do, what's next? How do I get around these things that seem to be stumbling blocks? And believe it or not, and I'm going to give you the short answer, it's easy, but it's complicated. And it's complicated because there's an adversary. His name is the devil, and he really came because he was mad. He, he, got th he got thrown out of heaven, and he was a top archangel. He was, he, he was in charge of a lot. He lost a lot. He, it went to his head instead of his heart, and he thought, man, I can do this without God. This system that God built will do it for anyone. I can be just like God. And that's what caused him to 
start a rebellion and, and, and he got thrown out. He got himself thrown out of heaven along with all of his followers. And there were quite a few. And uh, those angels that were following him got thrown out with him. And guess where they went? Go ahead. Take a guess. They went to earth. Why did they go to earth? If they're kicked out of this place called heaven, why did they go to earth? Because they, Satan had seen what God had made. The man experiment, Adam, was phenomenal. And he knew two things. Number one, he was a very, very mad at God because he was humi hum humiliated. And if you're humiliated in front of someone and by somebody, you, you want this incredible revenge if you're really humiliated until you can get rid of it. And Satan wanted revenge on God. And the way to get revenge on God was to take over his prized possession, which was his man, Adam. If Lucifer could get Adam, then he could have his way to make to hurt God, to get back at God. So he came to steal Adam, and he stole him and Eve, okay, from God, legally, because God had legally made Adam the head over this planet for a period of time. <clears throat> That's the part Lucifer didn't understand. He thought if he could get him, uh, if he could get Adam, he had him forever. But there's a lease that runs out on this planet, and it's run out. But God lost Adam to Lucifer when Lucifer caused Adam to doubt God. Then he began to believe that maybe God didn't give him everything. He put that wedge in there. And all of a sudden, uh, Satan stole Adam because he kept feeding him more and more information till he had complete control of Adam. Now, Adam had, had known that he could create anything on his own, but he lost the ability to do that. He had to do it through Satan's way, through working by the sweat of his brow and doing things with the five physical sense, sense, senses instead of just believing. And, and that is really the synopsis of what happened. And he, and he legally lost Adam. So God now wants to get back his human race, the man that he created. And he knows if he kills Lucifer, wipes him out, destroys him, that he's going to not only lose man, but he's going to cause that kind of an attitude to come back on all of that he created, because then what happens is when you sow violence, you get violence. Now, God chose a way of love, and Jesus came into the world, died on the cross as an act of love. So God sowed a seed. How did he go about solving the problem that he had because of what Lucifer did? He sowed a seed. He sowed his, himself. Himself got into Jesus. He was in Christ. He felt it all. And so he sowed a seed into the earth, and it cost him a lot. It cost him a pain. It cost him suffering. It cost him a lot, but he bought us back. 
he bought us back. So now we have to realize that what was stolen is now no longer stolen. It's been fixed, repaired, replaced. All we have to do is accept it and renew our mind because you still got a messed up mind. You grew up not knowing that it was fixed. Then you had to learn that there was a savior. If you were one of the fortunate ones so far to accept the fact that there was a way to be redeemed from our sins and also from not using all the power God gave us, then you are now in the position to renew your mind, to continue forward watching victory after victory. So you go from victory to victory instead of broke, busted, sick, and disgusted. So the thief comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. Now, the minute you start to learn about the Word of God, the thief is right there to tell you, you don't think that's going to work, do you? Come on. You don't believe that God's really going to do something, and he's sure not going to do it that fast. It's going to take a long time if you want God to do it. Well, God created time. So time is not even an issue with God. It's an issue with us because we are trained to think in moments. We're trained to think in time. But if we are joining Jesus as joint heir to eternity, then we are no longer bound by time. We're outside of time. We're joint heirs with eternity. How long is eternity? Long. And there is no time. So, then God decided to try to reteach what he originally had for Adam. In Deuteronomy 28.8, The Lord shall command the blessing upon you in your storehouses in all that you undertake, and he will bless you in the land which the Lord your God gives you. God's objective is to bless us. Always was. He blessed Adam. Adam was deceived. Adam lost the blessing. Then the blessing came back through the old first covenant, which we call the Old Testament. But it was bound to laws because God could not get through how to get the blessing activated unless you kept the law. Keeping the law simply kept you in the right thinking. But then we found out people couldn't keep the law, so the guilt was a bigger problem than breaking the law. The guilt of knowing you broke the law. So there was an issue. Man's mind is complex. It needs to be felt like it's forgiven and loved and then understand the power that God gave us, which is to have anything you want to change all circumstances, to live in the garden, bring back the garden of Eden. And you and I are doing that. That's why we're here. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Heaven is the absolute garden of Eden. And we are here to practice how to bring it to earth. If that's not working for you, you're doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong if it's not working. We're going to discuss how to do it right and get it working. If things aren't good right now, hang in there. You're just doing it wrong, and there's a way to do it right. It's called the blood of Jesus. It's called revelation knowledge. It's called the Holy Spirit and the great Trinity that lives in us. 
And we're going to take a break. We'll come right back after this break. We're talking about now the Trinity of God living within us, causing us to prosper in all that we do, bringing the blessing back that Lucifer stole. He stole it. Don't you want what was stolen? Well, hang in there. We're going to talk about how to get it back right after these messages. We'll be right back. It's about time, it's about space, it's about saving the human race. It's about hate, it's about love, it's about everything above. It's about war, it's about peace, it's about changing history. It's about you, it's about me, it's about time. Broadcasting live from historic West Norriton Township. This is AM 1180. AM 1180. WFYL. King of Prussia. Philadelphia. It's about time. It's about space. It's about saving the human race. It's about hate. It's about love. It's about everything above. It's about war. It's about peace. It's about changing history. It's about you. It's about me. It's about time. Thank you for staying with us. This program is called All In With The Lord. And we're talking about how some of us, you know, grew up with a disadvantage. And you may still be in a disadvantage in your life. And if things aren't the way you want them to be, why not? It's not God's plan. I, I mean, I hear people say, God's teaching me something. This is, must be his plan for my life. I guarantee you that's a lie right from hell. You might learn something from it, but it is not God's plan to make things awful in your life and then teach you from it. Think about that. Anyone who has a child, would you sit here and come up with a great plan to make them miserable so you can teach them something? No. You would teach them how to be blessed and how to bless others. And that's what your Heavenly Father wants to do. You know, I... I, I watch on TV and I hear all this stuff about how, you know, all the time that we spent on earth and how history is wrong and how the aliens were here so many years ago and, and all these gods that were here and they built, how they built the pyramids. Yeah. But those gods that they're referring to, those false gods, those ones that had technology, which they brought from heaven, were kicked out, expelled. And they came here to try to demonstrate that they were gods because they were no longer considered gods in heaven. They were considered the lowest of the low. And yeah, there are people out here in this world that are so confused, so confused on how this all came to be. And yet it's right in the word of God. And then there are those people who try to dis, you know, dispel the Bible by saying, well, it was written by men and religions made it all up and all this. Let me tell you something. If, if anybody, anybody could make up what's in that Bible, they would be quite amazing. Because the Bible, it, it gives a solution and an answer to every situation you're going to ever have to deal with, including death. So, for those that are that ignorant, that they don't even understand that in the Word, and they read it, and they read it like you read a, a regular book instead of allowing the Holy Spirit to reveal to them what it's saying, they miss so much. 
They're missing it all. So here we are. What can you do? What can you do today that's going to make a difference and change everything in your life? Because there is things you can do. But right here in Romans 8, 16 and 17, the Spirit himself thus testifies uh, together with our own spirit, assuring us that we are children of God. First thing is you need to be assured that you're a child of God. If you're not assured of that, nothing else is going to work in your favor. So step one is how do you become assured that you're a child of God? If you didn't read it in the Bible, you wouldn't know it. So let's read it in the Bible. Accept Jesus as your Lord. Understand God made you. He loves you. He has a plan for you that's far superior to anything you could conjure, dream, or imagine yourself. And that's why the quicker you can come to a place where we say, thy will be done, is the faster you will experience good stuff in your life. And I'm going to continue to read. That was verse 16 in Romans. Now I'm reading verse 17. And if we are his children, then we also are his heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, sharing his inheritance with him. Only we must share in his suffering if we are to share in his glory. Whoa, see, now that's where people get in trouble. See, he wants me to suffer. No, you're going to share in Jesus' suffering. You have to acknowledge that he suffered. You're sharing in the knowledge of understanding his suffering and willing to now take his word because of his suffering and make a difference. He didn't ask you to suffer. You aren't worthy enough to suffer to change God. You are, were, and are, if you haven't accepted Lord, the Lord Jesus, a sinner. And a sinner doesn't get to be worthy to suffer. That's going to change anything. So you're, anything you're doing that you think is suffering for God is so out misplaced. It is so upside down and backwards. His suffering is what we're acknowledging. He suffered so that you don't have to. If you think your suffering is got to be because Jesus set the pace, set the pace. He showed us what had to be. No, you, you, you have to realize that he did it so you don't have to, and you're wasting his suffering if you don't accept it as payment for yours. So let's get that out of the way. Anyone walking around thinking they have to walk around having a miserable, lousy, rotten day, suffering from anything. Jesus bore our sickness. He bore our diseases. By his stripes, we are healed. We have to acknowledge he suffered, and it's acknowledging it that sets us free. That payment is made. You declare right now, if you're suffering from anything, and lack, that's suffering too. Declare right now. It is illegally operating in your life. It has no legal right to continue. None. There is none. No legal right. Here, Philippians 4.19. And my God will liberally supply, fill to the full, your every need according to his riches in glory. Your every need. Now, I'm going to read a, a Greek interpretation of this. I hope I can read it. I kind of wrote it down fast. But it says, my God will supply our needs so completely 
that he will eliminate all deficiencies. He will meet all our physical and tangible needs until we are so full we have no more capacity to hold anything else. He will supply all our needs until we are totally filled, packed full, and overflowing to the point of bursting at the seams and um, bursting at the seams and spilling over. So God wants us to live in the overflow. Now, realistically, I know today it's tough for some people to buy food, or or when the bills come in, they're looking to see which ones are going to get paid, not necessarily all of them. Now, I pray that you're not one of those people. But God wants us, that is not God's plan. It is not his plan. Now, I know you say, well, I have a job, but I only make so much money, or I don't have a job, and I have to rely on whatever I get. That's fine. That's the world system. But God has ways of getting money to you that you haven't even thought of. God has ways of getting to each one of us whatever we lack. Philippians 4.19 my God supplies all my needs according to His riches, not your riches, His riches, and through His glory. But do you expect that to happen? And in a lot of cases, you, people don't. They, they're trained to expect it won't happen. They're trained to look for the bad. They're trained to look for what doesn't work instead of what does. When something bad happens to people, I, I hear people say, well, I'm waiting for the next shoe to drop. I'm waiting for, then the, it comes in, trouble comes in threes. What, what's that all about? Because the first person that had a problem had three problems? I don't know. Somebody made a religion out of it. So we don't realize that every time we say things like that, we are contributing to Lucifer stealing your renewed mind that says, All things are possible to those that believe. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm ready for anything and equal to anything through him who infuses inner strength into me. What are you training your mind with? What have you trained yourself to say and to think? Because it's that kind of thinking or that feeling. You know that feeling when you know you're in lack, and and I, I understand I understand, but that feeling of, I just, I'm just beat up. I'm just down. That's the feeling that has to be gotten rid of. The joy of the Lord is our strength. How do you get the joy of the Lord? You praise Him. You have to praise Him. Now, why is praising God? You say, boy, He's pretty, uh, what's the word, uh, sold on Himself because we all got to praise Him. He's not doing it for Him. He's doing it for you. He's giving you an opportunity to praise Him to change the frequency that you're generating by your depression. Every single one of us is carrying around with us a a certain frequency level. This is now into the quantum physics and the quantum world. You're carrying around a frequency that either attracts what you want or pushes it away in order to change the frequency. You have to change your attitude. The quickest way to change your attitude is in thanksgiving and praise to God. First of all, what are you thanking Him and praising Him for? You have a life. You're alive. You can breathe. You're in a a world that sustains life. 
And you have an opportunity today to have something good happen. You also have an opportunity to have something bad happen. But that's your choice. God wants you to have something good happen. So we are, the way you change that frequency is beginning to praise you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that I have life today. Thank you that I woke up today. Thank you that something great is about to happen today. Say, Art, how could you say that? Things don't always happen for me that are great. I can't say that. I'd be lying. I'd be a hypocrite because in my life, things aren't good at all. That's why they aren't good. You, your hypocrisy has become a lifestyle and your lifestyle has created a world that you're unhappy with. And you want, you look over here and you see someone else and you say, well, they're happy. Yeah, they have a different lifestyle. They aren't living like you're living. You need to change, transform what you're doing. It doesn't take God long at all to change the circumstances. What takes the time is changing you and I. We are the ones that have to go through the change. We have to renew our mind with the Word of God. Renewing our mind with His Word. And what does His Word say? His Word says that He wants to bless us. Here in Philippians 4.19, where it says, And my God will supply to the full your every need according to His riches and glory. Well, that's something to thank God for. And you've got to start accepting it before you see it. Believing it before you see it. What you're doing is seeing something and believing what you see. We need to believe for something that we don't see before we see it. And then it will change. Mark 11, 23 and 24. Truly I tell you, whoever, whoever, has they got that? Whoever, whoever, are you a whoever? Whoever says to this mountain, be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and does not doubt in all, at all in his heart, but believes that what he says will take place, it will be done for him. You have to speak to that mountain that you see. You're seeing a mountain, but you've got to speak to it. This is Jesus talking. If you don't want to believe what the Bible says, then okay, granted. Just don't believe it. But if you got something in your life that's got to get changed, you need to get this. Truly, I tell you, whoever says to the mountain. So number one, you got to say something. Number two, you got to identify the mountain. And you got to speak to it. God, Jesus spoke to the fig tree. Jesus spoke to the waves. Jesus spoke to the weather. Jesus spoke to the problem. He spoke to things. That means they can hear. That means that words carry a frequency that affects what you're speaking to. And instead of speaking to yourself and saying how awful you feel every day, change what you're saying. Speak to the mountain. You, mountain, why don't you do take the biggest bill you have right now and lay it right down there and speak to it. And I'm calling you right now. You're, you, you have been a mountain in my life, and I am lifting you up, and I'm casting you into the sea. You will no longer, you will no longer have power over me. I will not doubt in my heart. I believe that every day that I wake up from this moment on, I'm expecting, I'm looking. There's a miracle here to deal with you. You're gone. I cast you into the sea. So every day, 
I'm waking up every minute. Actually, every I'm not waking, waiting to wake up. Every hour, every minute of every hour, I'm waiting. I'm looking. I'm expecting a miracle. I'm expect. Praise God. I'm expecting a miracle. I'm expecting some supernatural event to cause that bill to be eliminated from my life once and for all. I'm expecting it. I'm. Oh man, I can hardly wait to see it. Now that's calling something that is not as though it is. That's having an expectation of joy and hope. And that is how it works. Instead of what you see and you walk around giving testimony to what you see, give testimony to God who says he will turn it around. He will turn it around. And Jesus said in verse 24, for this reason, I'm telling you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe, trust, and be confident that it is granted to you, and you'll get it. you got to be confident. You can't play the game. It's not a game. This is you really changing how you feel inside by praising God. And praise will get your frequency changed. It'll put you in the same page with God. Um, here in Isaiah 61, verse 7 through 9. Instead of your former shame... You shall have a twofold recompense. Instead of dishonor and reproach, your people shall rejoice in their portion. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess double what they have fortified. Everlasting joy shall be theirs. For I, the Lord, have just loved justice. I hate robbery. He hates robbery. And Satan stole from you the word. So he hates robbery and wrong. with For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrong with violence or burnt offering, and I will faithfully give them their recompense in truth, and I will make an everlasting covenant or league with them. And their offspring shall be known among the nations, and their descendants among the peoples. All who see, see them in their prosperity will recognize and acknowledge that they are the people whom the Lord has blessed. God wants to be recognized as someone that blesses people. Will you volunteer to be the one he blesses? Start today. Let God bless you. Let him bless you. He wants to bless you. Got that? Get out of the way. Let God bless you. God wants to bless you. So, what do we do? And, you know, what's next? We want to live in the overflow. We're having a breakthrough. We start changing our vocabulary. I live in the overflow every day. There's more than enough in my life every day. I started saying that when there was nothing. I would walk around. People say, how you doing? I say, outstanding and superlative. But don't worry. I'm getting better. And that's become something people expect me to say. But I've been doing it for 20, 30 years, maybe more. I don't even remember the exact day I started it, but I didn't feel good that day. And I, had, I was not having an outstanding day. And I made a decision with my tongue that my day will be outstanding and superlative. But don't worry, it's getting better. And it is that way now. My days are filled with joy. My days are filled with overflow. My days are filled and blessed by the Lord. 
I remember one day when I, I, I was going, in the days where we still went into the bank a lot, and today I don't think many people go into the banks anymore, but we would go, I would go into the bank for deposits or whatever, and, I, and, peop, and they would always say, hey, how you doing? I'd say, outstanding and superlative, but don't worry, I'm getting better. And then one day I walked in, and I don't know why, and I, I just, uh, somebody said, how you doing? And for some reason, I was thinking about something else, and I just said, pretty good. And there were four tellers there. All four of them looked up and said, what's wrong? And I, I realized I hadn't said outstanding and superlative, but I said, pretty good. And they said, what's wrong? And I said, Oh, nothing's wrong. Oh, oh, yeah, I am outstanding in Superla. Sorry, I was thinking about the deposit and I was counting numbers and I wasn't thinking. And for a minute, pretty good slipped in there. But I'm not pretty good. I'm outstanding. And I am superlative. And I am getting better. Every day and every way, by the grace of God, I'm getting stronger and stronger. The blessing of God, the favor of God surrounds me like a shield, produces supernatural increase, promotion, restoration, honor, increased assets, greater victories, prominence, battles won that I don't have to fight. I'm, I mean, these are things that naturally come out of my mouth because I've retrained myself to talk. Battles won that I don't have to fight. I don't have to fear the IRS. I don't have to fear laws and rules because battles won that I don't have to. God, I won't even get into those problems. God gives me an overflow. Overpay the taxes. Overpay everything. Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure. Pressed down. Shaken together and flowing over. Give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. But give to God what belongs to God. So we have moved from people who live in the normal to people who live in the impossible. If something seems too normal to you, you're not doing everything God's asking you to do. Because He will always send us to the impossible. It will seem impossible, but you get good at doing that. And He'll give you the next impossible. And He's the one who's going to do the work. He's the one that's going to pay for it. It's not going to be you. He didn't ask you to pay for it. He asked you to believe for it. Believing and faith are the currency that we use to build the kingdom of God and receive from God that which we, uh, what he's telling us to do. Uh, <clears throat> it opens a whole world of possibilities, and we, we don't want to close the door on opportunity. And we do that with our words. Like if somebody says, you know, we need a building in order to help those people. And we say, well, that's impossible. We just close that door to possibility. Rather to say, with God, all things are possible. Let's see what God will do in that regard. Let's see how that will happen. Um, when we stop relying on our five physical senses and start relying on the Word of God, all things become possible. It's, it's just an experience that you have to retrain yourself to do. And all things do work together for those who trust the Lord. I truly believe that. Now, I've been at this, you know, several years, retraining my mind, what's coming out of my heart, first words when something doesn't go your way. Satan comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. To steal, to kill, and destroy. So he steals the word, and he leaves you hopeless. 
with that hopelessness, he can destroy you. A hopeless person is heading downhill quickly. Uh, it's an attitude, an attitude of faith and joy, or an attitude of hopelessness and depression. If an airplane, if you've ever flown in an airplane, has a positive attitude, it's pulling up and it's raising up and lifting off. If it's got a negative attitude, it's going down and it will crash. It's no different in your life. Your attitude determines your altitude. If things aren't going right in your life, if they're not going quite right right now, change your spiritual attitude. Change your spiritual attitude. Your attitude has to be the, it's the rudder. And your words, your words, the joy will make all the difference and your attitude determines your altitude. So we have been, in God's sight, I put before you life and death, blessing and cursing, choose life. I, 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 the more I go through these things, I wonder how I didn't see what I see today. Um, once you see how this works, you can't unsee it. We are the greatest gift that God has ever given himself. And we, meaning each human life, each person is so incredibly valuable, not only to themselves, but to God. Each one of us is a mechanism for God that has the ability to be just like him. And he put us on this earth to make the Garden of Eden all over the earth. Instead, we gave away the power to Lucifer, who's made it into hell on earth in some areas. However, for those who are in Christ Jesus, a thousand might fall at my side, ten thousand at my right, but it shall not come near me. Only with my eyes shall I look and see the reward of the wicked, for I have made the Lord God, even the Most High, my habitation. Therefore no evil will befall me, neither shall any plague come near my dwelling, for God has given his angels charge over me. And there's more. That's Psalm 91. But we're out of time. And so people might live with us on this earth like they're in hell. We don't have to live that way. We can be blessed and blessed abundantly. Side by side, we're living with these people. We have to bring the message to them, the good news of Jesus Christ. That's what our job is. Have a great week. Stay all in with the Lord. I'll talk to you again next week. It's about time, it's about space, it's about saving the human race. It's about hate, it's about love, it's about everything above. It's about war, it's about peace, it's about changing history. It's about you, it's about me, it's about time.